Section 55 of Micrographia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Micrographia by Robert Hooke. Observation 50 of the Wandering Might. In September and October 1661, I observed in Oxford several of these little pretty creatures to wander to and fro, and often to travel over the plains of my window. And in September and October 1663, I observed likewise several of these very same creatures traversing a window at London, and looking without the window upon the subjacent wall, I found whole flocks of the same kind running to and fro among the small groves and thickets of green moss, and upon the curiously spreading vegetable blue or yellow moss, which is a kind of a mushroom or jew's ear. These creatures to the naked eye seem to be a kind of black mite, but much nimbler and stronger than the ordinary cheese mites. But examining them in a microscope I found them to be a very fine crusted or shelled insect, much like that represented in the first figure of the three-and-thirtieth scheme, with a protuberant oval shell A, indented or pitted with an abundance of small pits, all covered over with little white bristles, whose points all directed backwards. It had eight legs, each of them provided with a very sharp talon, or claw at the end, which this little animal in its going fastened into the pores of the body over which it went. Each of these legs were bestuck in every joint of them with multitudes of small hairs, or if we respect the proportion they bore to the bigness of the leg, turnpikes, all pointing towards the claws. The thorax, or middle parts of the body of this creature, was exceedingly small in respect both of the head and belly, it being nothing but that part which was covered by the two shells BB, though it seemed to grow thicker underneath. And indeed if we consider the great variety nature uses in proportioning the three parts of the body, the head, thorax, and belly, we shall not wonder at the small proportion of this thorax, nor at the vaster bulk of the belly. For could we exactly anatomize this little creature, and observe the particular designs of each part, we should doubtless, as we do in all her more manageable and tractable fabrics, find much more reason to admire the excellency of her contrivance and workmanship, than to wonder it was not made otherwise. The head of this little insect was shaped somewhat like a mite's, that is, it had a long snout, in the manner of a hog's, with a knobbed ridge running along the middle of it, which was bestuck on either side with many small bristles all pointing forward, and two very large pikes or horns which rose from the top of the head just over each eye, and pointed forward also. It had two pretty large black eyes on either side of the head EE, -E, from one of which I could see a very bright reflection of the window, which made me guess that the cornea of it was smooth like those of bigger insects. Its motion was pretty quick and strong, it being able very easily to tumble a stone or clod four times as big as its whole body. At the same time and place, and divers times since, I have observed with my microscope another little insect which, though I have not annexed the picture of, may be worth noting for its exceeding nimbleness as well as smallness, it was as small as a mite with a body deep and ridged, almost like a flea. It had eight blood-red legs, not very long but slender, and two horns or feelers before. Its motion was so exceeding quick that I have often lost sight of one I have observed with my naked eye, and though when it was not frightened I was able to follow the motions of some with my microscope, yet if it were never so little startled, 
it posted away with such speed and turned and winded itself so quick that I should presently lose sight of it. When I first observed the form of these insects or mites, I began to conjecture that certainly I had found out the vagabond parents of those mites we find in cheeses, meal, corn, seeds, musty barrels, musty leather, etc., these little creatures wandering to and fro every whither might perhaps, as they were invited hither and thither by the musty steams of several putrefying bodies, make their invasions upon those new and pleasing territories, and there spending the remainder of their life, which might be perhaps a day or thereabouts, in very plentiful and riotous living, might leave their offspring behind them, which by the change of the soil and country they now inhabit, might be quite altered from the hue of their primogenitors and like mores translated into northern European climates, after a little time change both their skin and shape. And this seems yet more probable in these insects, because that the soil or body they inhabit seems to be almost half their parent. For it not only hatches and brings those little eggs or seminal principles to perfection, but seems to augment and nourish them also before they are hatched or shaped. For it is obvious enough to be observed that the eggs of many other insects, and particularly of mites, are increased in bulk after they are laid out of the bodies of the insects, and plump sometimes into many times their former bigness, so that the bodies that are laid in being, as it were, half their mothers, we shall not wonder that it should have such an active power to change their forms. We find by relations how much the negro women do besmear the offspring of the Spaniard, bringing forth neither white skin nor black, but tawny-hided mulattoes. Now, though I propound this as probable, I have not yet been so far certified by observations as to conclude anything, either positively or negatively, concerning it. Perhaps some more lucky diligence may please the curious inquirer with the discovery of this to be a truth which I now conjecture and may thereby give him a satisfactory account of the cause of those creatures whose original seems yet to obscure, and may give him cause to believe, that many other animate beings that seem also to be the mere product of putrefaction, may be ennobled with a pedigree as ancient as the first creation, and far exceed the greatest beings in their numerous genealogies. But on the other side, if it should be found that these or any other animate body have no immediate similar parent, I have in another place set down a conjectural hypothesis, whereby those phenomena may likely enough be solved, wherein the infinite wisdom and providence of the Creator is no less rare and wonderful. End of section 55. Recording by Philip Gould.